0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The BC government is tackling the housing crisis with new policies that will upset the status quo.
1: Municipalities will be required to set housing targets and rental restrictions on certain properties are being lifted. Richard Zussman has the details and response from critics.
2: Less than 72 hours on the job, Premier David Eby
3: outlining yet another big policy. With the population growth that we're seeing in British Columbia, the demand for housing has never been higher.
2: Legislation requiring municipalities to hit certain housing benchmarks. The province will review all housing needs reports from communities targeting up to 8 to 10 municipalities with the greatest housing needs. And will push those communities to speed up permitting to get projects done.
3: This bill is not targeted at any particular municipality. It's targeted at the relationship that the province has with cities and the demands that every British Columbian has.
2: The province would not outline which municipalities or exactly what tools would be used to ensure the housing is built.
4: Instead of the cannon, I was expecting today we got a pop gun. And frankly, I think that Young British Columbians and first-time buyers that were hoping to get into the housing market are not going to have much to hold on to.
2: The Union of BC Municipalities will be working with government on the specifics, aware some communities may be more resistant than others.
1: There's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how many tools they plan on putting in this uh, toolbox, but um, we're certainly interested to see that they're willing to step boldly into this space.
2: The province also overhauling strata housing legislation. Adult only buildings will no longer be allowed, meaning new parents can stay in their condos. The exception will be to allow for senior residences, 55 years of age plus, and dropping rental restrictions, meaning Estrada can't stop an owner from renting out their home. We may experience the revelation of increased housing prices in these communities. While demand could go up, the province is also hoping it will ensure more rentals. There are 300,000 strata units in BC and the provincial numbers show about 3,000 of them could be freed up because of these changes. It's going to be a bit of a bomb, I think, across the province. The province hoping that explosion leads to more people finding an affordable place to live. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with more on what was noticeably absent from today's Mm -hmm. housing announcement and what could still be coming, Keith.
4: Yeah, lots more to come, uh, Sophie. Again, a lot of ideas have been kicked around over the years, including by the NDP and by David Eby himself during the NDP leadership race. A couple of his ideas he floated in the leadership race did not materialize today. Here's just a list of what we could be looking for in the next uh, year or so. A tax on house flipping was something David Eby talked about. Secondary suites are going to be made legal at some point. More houses perhaps allowed on single lots. He floated the idea of three or four houses on a single lot. And that $400 renters rebate, he says still in the cards. It was promised in the 2017 election, still has yet to materialize. But today, he he noted, today is not the start. Uh, This is just the start. It's not the end of the measures that are going to be coming down to dealing with the housing crisis.
3: There are a number of initiatives that our government needs to take around housing. This is not uh, the end, nor is it the beginning. We've done a lot of work. This is one more piece in our journey to deliver affordable housing to British Columbians, and British Columbians will see more from us on this pressing issue for so many people in our province.
4: So, the bill's tabled today, it comes as the House draws to an end on Thursday, just four days to pass this legislation, but to show how important the government has, the importance the government has attached to these bills, they've done an unusual move, extending the legislature's sitting hours to 9 o'clock at night instead of 6 or 7 o'clock, 10 o'clock on Wednesdays, and have also added a third chamber, a third committee room, to pass more legislation. We don't see that very often, but it comes, again, as the government's attached enormous importance to these two bill's tabled today.
1: Long days. All right. Thanks for that, Keith. Right.
4: Former Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum
0: walked out of court today with a big victory, acquitted in a case of public mischief. The judge ruling McCallum's foot was run over, and his actions do not show he was trying to deceive investigators. Catherine Urquhart reports.
5: Doug McCallum arrives at Surrey Provincial Court, accompanied by one of his lawyers, the former mayor of Surrey is about to learn his fate in the public mischief case against him. The decision coming more than a year after he told police his foot had been driven over by Debbie Johnstone.
4: You see, um, the red mark there.
5: Inside court, Judge Reg Harris reviewed evidence and witnesses determining, I am satisfied beyond a reasonable doubt that Ms. Johnstone ran over his foot calling John Stone's testimony unreliable. He also said, In my view, it defies logic that Mr. McCallum would deliberately mislead the police and then immediately suggest they get evidence, referring to CCTV footage. After the judge found him not guilty, McCallum could be seen wiping away tears. I
6: am um, pleased with the decision. And I want to thank my lawyers, for their tremendous efforts in this case. I want to give a very special thanks to my family for understanding and supporting me.
5: Former Councillor Lori Guerra questioned how the investigation was handled by Surrey RCMP, which had at least eight members on the case at one time. I think there should be an investigation as to why um, a case like this that didn't have that threshold, in my opinion, was investigated to begin with. The RCMP declined to comment on the verdict. McCallum's political opponent, current Mayor Brenda Locke, previously stated she was stopping payment of his legal fees.
7: I instructed staff to stop paying any further legal bills uh, for Doug McCallum and that now uh, moving forward they will not be paid by the the uh, taxpayer
5: now Locke says the city will continue exploring options related to McCallum's legal issues and I will also be asking for a review of the indemnification bylaw so it can be improved to ensure this won't happen again changes to indemnification rules don't appear likely anytime soon
4: we want to make sure that if we ever consider any changes we're not right now but we'll look at this case it's very rare
5: as for the case against McCallum, B.C. Prosecution Service says it has already been determined there is no basis for an
1: appeal. Katherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, the woman who ran an unlicensed Vancouver daycare where a toddler died in 2017 will be going to jail. The tragic death of baby Mac focusing more attention on the cracks in childcare in B.C. Global's Julie Nolan reports. It's a case which highlights the dangers of unlicensed daycares in
8: BC and the real lack of options for parents. 44 year old Susie Jasmine Sad was sentenced to 20 months in jail and 12 months probation after pleading guilty to failing to provide the necessaries of life, which led to the death of 16 month old baby Mac Saney. In an agreed statement of facts, Sad had been operating an unlicensed childcare business since 2010. Mac had only been at the daycare for four days and was sick that day in January 2017. He was placed in a playpen and SAD left him unattended for an hour where he was accidentally strangled by a string of decorative lights. When his mother texted to pick him up, SAD went to find him unconscious and blue. In her sentencing, the judge said she considered baby Mac's parents enormity of their loss by lying to all of the parents about conditions in the daycare, such as being overcrowded with the number of toddlers. The judge added that Sad admitted she crafted an elaborate scheme and carried on with the deception and knowingly put children at risk for years before Mac's death with her extreme noncompliance. The judge also talked about the community context and how the current child care situation leaves parents desperate for care. A few months after baby Mac's death, his parents spoke at a protest about the lack of daycare spaces in the province. It helps us in a, in a way to know that Mac's life didn't matter.
9: And, you know, we've said before, we just hope that we don't want his death to be in vain.
4: It's It's a very, very dangerous situation that's out there right now and um, and uh, there are some that are pretty far removed from it and there's some of us that are right in the thick of it.
8: Citing SAD's position of trust and staggering culpability the judge said jail time was appropriate in this case. SAD has also been banned from operating a child care facility in the future and was taken away in handcuffs to begin her jail sentence. Julie Nolan, Global News.
0: RCMP are investigating an infant boy's sudden death Sunday afternoon in Kelowna. The 18-month-old child was found unresponsive in this home in the 1300 block of Richter Street. Fire and ambulance crews tried to revive the boy, but he died at the scene. The house remains behind yellow police tape, and the serious crime unit has now taken charge of the investigation. At this point, police aren't releasing details, but say there was evidence of concern at the scene that prompted the full-scale investigation. Most of us are parents. These are shocking. These are
3: shocking investigations they are difficult to deal with. Um, they affect us long-term, first responders, family. I mean, there's a lot of people that are affected or impacted by these kind of investigations. And uh, so uh, we dedicate our uh, investigators to it and, and do. A, we want to do a full investigation because we want to know why this, is, what has happened, and how we can uh, try to ensure that
0: this doesn't happen again. Right. The coroner and the Ministry of Child and Family Development are supporting the investigation.
1: One person is dead and another was critically injured after a shooting in downtown Prince Rupert. Officers were called to a report of shots fired at the Ocean Center Mall shortly after 8.30 this morning. Police say it appears a 44-year-old man shot a 52-year-old woman before attempting to take his own life. The woman died at the scene. The man is in hospital in critical condition. Police say the two were known to each other and there's no threat to the public.
0: We're learning more details about a terrifying armed robbery in vancouver over the weekend as ramina Dea reports it happened at a family restaurant and it left more than a dozen customers and staff traumatized
9: get down everybody on the floor the general manager of cafe du soleil remembers the words clearly two gunmen enter during the brunch rush sunday morning the restaurant packed full of customers Vancouver police say the suspects were disguised.
10: Stormed into the restaurant, pointing their guns at people, ordered people onto the ground, threatened to shoot people, um, threatened to kill people, and then stole a number of items.
9: The GM not comfortable going on camera. He says the suspects demanded wallets, other valuables like jewellery plus cell phones.
10: We don't believe that cell phones were the target. We believe it's more likely a case of the the people who committed this robbery, we're stealing people's cell phones to prevent them from calling 911. The
9: GM tells us his son was standing at the cash register when one of the suspects pushed a gun to the back of his neck behind the ear. He pushed so hard it left a mark. A minor injury, but it was terrifying. The GM says it's bizarre because the gunman did not ask for him to open the till before he bolted. I would be so shaken up. Christina Papadado's DuPont starting her shift down the drive when the armed robbery goes down. She's one of several employees and business owners who say safety is a growing concern on commercial. Assault, theft and vandalism more prevalent.
11: Just having to be a bit more on alert all the time and the fact that this was... A brunch on a Sunday morning. So it's very disappointing. Like no one expects something so violating to happen.
9: Global News has learned clear images of the gunman were caught on CCTV footage. Police not releasing images at this time. The cafe open again Monday. The GM sending love to his
1: customers who have always had his back. Romina Daya, Global News. Vancouver police have arrested a 30-year-old man after a woman was mugged at a bank machine late Saturday evening. It happened at the corner of Broadway and Commercial. The woman was withdrawing money when a stranger walked up and asked her for a cigarette. She refused, so he shoved her up against the wall and demanded money. She ran away and called 911, and when officers arrived, they found a suspect sleeping in the ATM vestibule. 30-year-old Gregory West has been charged with robbery.
0: A cancer patient frustrated by a devastating delay in treatment.
7: I have the likelihood of losing my entire ear, um, maybe part of my jawbone.
0: The life-altering impact of a system she says is too slow to solve her health crisis. That's next on the News Hour.
1: An ingenious use for discarded scraps of wood. What BC researchers are making from it coming up.
0: Plus, a worker faces a long road to recovery after an unprovoked attack on the job. What happened coming up later?
1: Right now, though, a cancer patient we first told you about last month says her situation is getting worse. Farah Kruger's neck cancer has grown considerably.
0: And while there's now a plan to treat it, she says delays in the health care system could leave her with life-altering damage. Krista Dow reports.
7: Um, Then I also have a lymph node here that has cancer. It was supposed to be a simple operation. So, this is how much has grown. Um, since the first week of August. But now removing
12: this golf ball-sized tumor will require intensive surgery. We first spoke to Farah Kruger in October over concerns about treatment for her metastatic stage 3 skin cancer. She's finally received an operation date four months after her diagnosis. But the tumor has advanced so rapidly, doctors are now
7: preparing her for extreme outcomes. I have the likelihood of losing my entire ear, Um, maybe part of my jawbone. She might also lose
12: her sense of smell and taste, function in her facial nerves, and the ability
7: to smile, an outcome she believes was preventable. To wait for my PET scan was a number of weeks. Um, Then I finally got the PET scan, and then it was another number of weeks to wait for OR. That kind of disfigurement is quite daunting. (laughs) It's, It's a hard pill to swallow, especially um, because it could have been prevented. Her lengthy delays, a spotlight on BC's cancer care wait times.
0: Favorite Kruger is a nurse who is diagnosed with skin cancer and has endured a grueling eight months.
12: On Monday, Health Minister Adrian Dix acknowledged the challenges when it comes to cancer care and says they're addressing the backlog.
3: By hiring more oncologists, by doing more surgeries, and by adding more team-based staff. On the issue of scans, we've added new PET-CT
7: scanning capacity, which was only really in Metro Vancouver before, in Kelowna and in Victoria. We're failing the public. It's not the money in the system, it's the outcomes that we need. We need the results of that money that's put into the system to trickle down into less wait times.
12: Kruger now anxiously waiting for her surgery date, scheduled for December 1st,
7: hoping the cancer won't spread once again like what if I go into surgery and it's it's spread but I don't find out until I get another PET scan which could be in months just trying to prepare myself for that disfigurement <laughs> and I, I don't I don't really know how to prepare myself for that Krista Dow global news
0: coming up a big win for a wrongfully evicted tenant
6: a 33600 for one year's rent plus another hundred for the filing fee
0: Ah, but collecting the cash is another level of frustration. Plus.
13: The Volkswagen e-Golf was the um, model
0: that we were looking for.
1: A car buying nightmare. Why the dealership wouldn't let them have it even when they offered to pay full price. Good evening. Traffic is in good shape both ways over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge with just some leftover
5: volume eastbound on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout B.C. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. Interest you sending Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: Supply chain pressures are making car shopping a challenge these days, and now experts say there's an added problem for consumers.
0: That's right. Buyers finding themselves forced into financing even when they're willing to pay the full amount up front. Consumer Matters reporter Andrew joins us now with more. And
11: Thanks, Chris. Brian Balmer and Dan West wanted to pay cash for a vehicle, but when they sat down with a dealership hoping to make a deal, the joy of getting behind a new set of wheels quickly turned into disappointment
14: for an electric car um, something with less mileage than this car.
11: Dan West and Brian Ballmer thought they had found a perfect replacement car. A used electric 2020 Volkswagen e-golf similar to this one. After taking it for a test drive they say they liked the vehicle and offered to pay cash for the car. We had the money and and, um, it made no sense to finance something that we didn't have to finance. But Dan and Brian say the dealership had other intentions and accepting a cash offer for the vehicle was off the table.
14: They wanted us to finance it or some portion of it, but there had to be something financed.
11: It was a move that didn't sit well with Dan and Brian, especially since nowhere in the advertisement did it state cash offers were not accepted.
14: Brian said to them, so let me get this straight. We can't pay the ticket price and pay cash, and the guy said, "Yeah, no, we won't accept it."
11: It was enough for them to drive away from the deal. The nonprofit Automobile Protection Association, which advocates on behalf of consumers, says a dealership forcing a customer into financing is, in their view,
3: deceitful. It's actually an, an uh, amounts for the customer to a hidden charge that's not in the ad price. The customer is being asked to pay interest so that the dealer can collect a commission from the lender. That isn't right if the customer doesn't need the loan.
11: It's a tactic the APA says is all too common, largely due to current supply chain issues and the shortage of vehicles.
3: The car dealers, what we have seen with the shortages that followed, is that actually greed has taken over.
11: Meantime, the Vehicle Sales Authority, BC's car sales regulator, told Consumer Matters there is no legal requirement for a motor dealer or any BC merchant, as far as we can determine, to advertise that they do not accept cash payments. Subject to a specific law to the contrary, a motor dealer or any merchant may place terms, conditions, or restrictions on the sale of their goods or services. This includes how they are paid.
9: from dealership.
11: Still Brian and Dan say how they were treated was wrong and continue to search for a new car.
3: It just didn't feel upfront. It felt shady. It felt deceitful. So
11: advice to consumers who are faced with forced financing. The Automobile Protection Association recommends trying to negotiate a discount off the equivalent to the interest penalty you'll be paying for the vehicle if you do end up financing. The other option is to walk away like Brian and Dan if the deal just doesn't feel right. Just to add, Dan and Brian have since consulted with dealerships that don't force you into any financing. So that's left them with some hope going forward. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me. Consumer
1: Matters at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks for that, Ann. A Surrey woman whose family was wrongfully evicted from their home is calling for changes to B.C.'s residential tenancy laws. As Erin MacArthur reports, while the residential tenancy branch ruled in her favour, her battle is far from over.
6: It wasn't right and it wasn't lawful.
13: When Natalie Egger moved her family out of this South Surrey home in October 2021, she thought the new owners were moving in. At least, that's what the notice to end her tenancy said. Later that fall, she noticed a new listing for the home. The rent, 70% more than she was paying.
6: Yeah, we were pretty upset because we felt we were wrongfully evicted at that point.
13: Edgar filed a formal complaint at the residential tenancy branch and won. The ruling clearly lays out the new owners of the home evicted her family under false pretenses and awarded her more than $33,000, a year's worth of rent.
6: Yeah, it felt really good. Um, We felt like we were owed the compensation that we got.
13: But the win feels more than a little hollow. The RTB doesn't have any means to enforce the order. She now has to go after the homeowner for payment on her own. Her first step, a registered letter demanding payment.
6: Seems like the process in general is very disjointed and I wish it was more seamless. Do you want to hear the biggest load of crap ever?
13: What happened to Eggers' family... Not at all unusual.
6: For twice as much that we were paying.
13: She posted a TikTok video and was bombarded with people who have similar stories. The government says it has expanded the capacity of the RTB to deal with disputes, but orders need to be settled in the courts. It's a, it's a very typical situation for administrative tribunals. The homeowner now has 15 days to respond to Egger's registered letter. If they don't, then it will be up to her to take the matter further either more arbitration or ultimately to small claims court. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
1: Coming up, dropping the oral land acknowledgments.
3: Uh, we're honoured to be here today on the territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees.
1: Why you won't be hearing it at West Van City Hall and how First Nations are reacting next.
0: But first, the pizza cook attacked at work and the search for the person who did it Tune in to Rise for BC Kids. See firsthand how BC Children's Hospital is transforming healthcare for children. At BC Children's Hospital, small is mighty. Rise for BC Kids, Saturday, November 26th, in partnership with Global BC.
5: Good evening. Counterflow is out here at the Massey Tunnel, and traffic is moving well in both directions between Richmond and Delta. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermat Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
0: North Vancouver RCMP are investigating an attack on a pizza chef. And we should warn you, some of the images you're about to see might be disturbing. Jean-Sebastian is a cook at Dave and Mel's Pizzeria on Lower Lonsdale. He was cleaning up at the end of the day, Saturday evening, and taking out the garbage when someone beat him badly with a blunt object. Jean-Sebastian doesn't know who hit him, but he suffered a broken cheek and PTSD from the attack. As I back away, I'm right in front of the hair
13: salon next to Dave and Mel's, and then he pulls out a gun and puts it on my forehead. And he said... You have 48 hours to leave Vancouver or else basically i will kill you. Like he, didn't, he just basically said or else. I, I don't think it was directed towards anybody. I do think it was just a random assault. I think it was just wrong place, wrong time and somebody having a bad day. One of the safest neighbourhoods in the Lower Mainland. Um, one of the main reasons specifically why I wanted to open a pizzeria here.
0: John Sebastian is off work and will require surgery. So the restaurant has started up a GoFundMe campaign to help him and his family.
1: West Vancouver's new council is coming under fire for a decision made behind closed doors and announced last week. The mayor revealed he would no longer be reading an Indigenous land acknowledgement before council meetings.
0: Instead, it'll be written on the council agenda. But as Amadagahi reports, First Nations call that a setback for reconciliation.
10: Standing tall on the shore at Abbleside Park in West Vancouver, the welcome figure is a gift from the Squamish nation. The sculpture fosters respect for the land and territory, just like the oral land acknowledgement, typically heard before important events and announcements.
3: It is good to be here on the traditional territory
10: of the Lekongan-speaking people. It's a symbolic way to... Uh, practice uh, reconciliation in a small sense. Which is why leaders in the Squamish nation were deeply disappointed when earlier this month the new mayor of West Vancouver, Mark Sager, decided council meetings in the district would no longer include an oral land acknowledgement.
13: So these words were printed on the future agendas but not necessarily read. Uh, We
10: acknowledge... This has angered you? Why? It's been really important that we hold governments accountable, that the era of discriminating against us, um, dismissing our rights and title, of not acknowledging uh, the jurisdiction that we have within our territory, that is an era that we want to leave behind. The mayor of West Vancouver has said the decision to forego the Indigenous land acknowledgement before council meetings is uh, in part due to efficiency, saying that this council values time. But the lack of time was also the reason we were told that no elected official was willing to interview today, even just outside of the municipal hall.
6: I think it's just an excuse not to do it, you know, 20 seconds to do a land acknowledgement, simple.
0: I want to uh, acknowledge the history, customs and cu- culture of the Coquitlam First Nation and the Coast Salish peoples.
10: ON WHOSE TRADITIONAL LANDS WE'RE MEETING TODAY. THANK YOU SO MUCH, IT'S SUCH AN HONOUR. IN FACT, THIS EXAMPLE SHOWS HOW IT TOOK THE HEALTH MINISTER JUST 13 SECONDS.
6: WE WANTED TO START OFF IN A GOOD WAY WITH THEIR NEW CITY COUNCIL AND uh, THIS JUST TOOK A FEW STEPS BACKWARDS.
10: THE SQUAMISH NATION IS ASKING FOR AN IMMEDIATE MEETING TO EXPLAIN THE IMPACTS OF THE DECISION TO THE MAYOR AND TO TRY AND REPAIR QUICKLY the first disagreement between the new incoming city council in West Vancouver and a nation that has lived on its land for thousands of years. Emadagahi, Global News.
1: A new survey shows the vast majority of parents of children with autism oppose changes to government supports now working their way through the system. The province announced in January it would consolidate children's supports into what are called family connection centres. The government argues those centres will provide more equitable access to services without the need for a diagnosis. But a report by Autism BC shows 96% of caregivers would rather stay with the current model, with the province concentrating on eliminating long waits for medical referrals. Imagine a report saying that only 4% of families
8: want to exclusively access, just access the hubs. And so that's very telling information from the start, we've been saying it. Autistic children and youth don't deal well with change, it's really difficult for them to go from the the long-lasting relationships that they have with service providers to have to transition into a family connection centre.
1: A provincial report found accessing support services can be overwhelming and confusing, and access to service is often linked to a family's financial and community resources.
0: Coming up, the forgotten Muhammad Ali films. He Thank
2: don't you. say nothing in my presence. It's an insult for fighters to talk when I'm talking.
0: Fifty years after the legendary boxer fought in Vancouver, memories from people who were there.
1: And a breakthrough for Canadian golfer Adam Svensson. What he says about his big win on the weekend.
0: New biodegradable packaging foam developed at UBC could potentially help address plastic pollution.
1: A team from the university's faculty of forestry worked alongside members of the Wet'suwet'en First Nation repurposing wood waste left from wildfires in the community to create biodegradable packaging material. UBC assistant professor Dr. Feng Jiang says he worked for years to create a biofoam that would find a use for wood waste and reduce plastic pollution made by traditional packing styrofoam. The team is now working on eventually opening a pilot plant for the biofoam in B.C.
0: More B.C. innovation. That's a good thing. All right, let's check in on the weather right now. Mm. Christy's got the latest on the forecast, and I heard you talking about freezing rain earlier too, Christy.
6: Yeah, freezing rain is one of the most dangerous things, and it has the potential uh, of happening through the overnight and early morning hours along the Coquihalla, so heads up on that. Um, Meanwhile, I just wanted to quickly mention, you know, we are so lucky. 13 days of dry weather through the month of November. November is our wettest month, so we were very, very lucky indeed, but that all came to an end last night as the rainfall pushed in, but it wasn't too bad today. We saw a fair amount of cloud cover, but it was mostly dry. We've got some great photos from Peter Grant, one there. And another one from Ron Paley uh, looking out over the Maple Ridge area. So here's the system that's pushing in right now. We are going to see rainfall across the south coast, but it means a snowfall warning for the Caribou, North Thompson, North Okanagan, and the Shushwap region. So anywhere from 10 to 15 centimeters of snow, and you can see this little line there, and that's the Coquihalla that has that snowfall warning and that risk of freezing rain. So here's a look at the system driving in. It's pulling in milder air, and we've got cold air entrenched. So that's why we have the risk of freezing rain. When we get the mild air moving up and over the cold air, uh, that's when we get the potential. So heavy rainfall certainly through the morning hours it'll be a slow commute to work and that's when we're expecting that significant amount of snow for the interior regions with that risk of freezing rain. The conditions will ease off across the south coast later in the day but the snowfall will continue in through the interior regions. So there's your forecast for your Tuesday everyone. That risk of freezing rain and the potential for snow extends from Prince George right down and through the southern interior but it's particularly that Merritt and Coquihalla area that I'm concerned about. Rainfall overnight for our region tomorrow morning. We're hoping for some breaks of blue sky later in the day for even the lower mainland although I didn't put them into the icon here but I think I should have because I'm feeling pretty positive of those breaks later in the day. The bright spot though on Wednesday is expected certainly but it looks like it will be wet through a good part of our day particularly tomorrow morning. Uh, here's a look at tonight's central windows weather window coming to you from the Columbia Lake area which is near the Fairmont uh, Hot Springs. This is a beautiful shot looking out over the lake. Uh, keep in mind it's still transition time every everyone, so uh, don't head out onto the lakes unless you're fully uh, sure that it is thick enough for you to be on it. Good advice. Thank you, Christy.
0: Looks like a slap mm-hmm. shot would go for miles if that's what you did out there on that <laughs> lake right now. Uh, you see Squire in the little box, joining us now with a look ahead to sports. Yes, Ceres Adams Fenson
14: woke up today at his home in Florida as a PGA champion for the first time ever.
15: I didn't even really sleep last night. Uh, I probably slept for two hours, but I uh, it's just super super exciting
14: this win comes after rededicating himself to working even harder on his game
0: proud of adam that's great and the photo that helped us find forgotten film in the global bc archives 50 years after muhammad ali came here to fight
1: Now you got a lot going on today, Squire. I do. I'm going to start with the Canucks because they
14: are playing tonight at Rogers Arena and Thatcher Demko had his best game of the season last Friday against the LA Kings. So he'll get the start tonight against the Golden Knights who have stumbled a bit of late. They had an excellent start to the season, but they only have one win in their last four and that win was against Arizona. But they are still a first place team in the Pacific Division and they are one of the highest scoring teams in the league.
4: I mean, they got obviously a lot of skill and and they play the right way. you know, they're deep, and I think, uh, you know, they got one of the best decors probably in, in the NHL right now, and on top of that, they're big too. So, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, uh, it's a pr- pretty balanced d and, and uh, you know, they're, the, way, the way they're built is they're built to win. Uh, I think they're 8-1-1 one and one on the road, um, so they know how to play on the road. It's, uh, uh, they're going to be a tough opponent, so, I mean, it's a great challenge, and I think those are the kind of things that you really want if you want to get better.
14: Now yesterday, Surrey's Adam Svensson won his first ever PGA tournament in his 70th PGA start by taking the RSM Classic. It was a tribute to all the extra effort Svensson has put in recently. He realized after losing his PGA card in 2019 that talent was not enough. He needed to put the work in and that work finally paid off.
0: You are looking at the man who was moments away from perhaps winning for the first
13: time in his young PGA Tour career, Adam Svensson.
3: It's a win anybody who's followed Adam Svensson's career or played alongside Adam saw coming. The talent to win on golf's grandest stage has always been there. And on his second go around on the PGA Tour, Adam finally grabbed that elusive victory that he's dreamt about since childhood. In
0: his 70th career start, Adam Svensson is now a PGA Tour winner.
15: Oh, it's it's incredible. I won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour, you know, in, in the process of what I've been doing. And um, to do it on the highest level, it's uh, it's it's amazing. Um, you know, to win on the Corn Ferry is, is awesome, but to do it on the PJ Tour, it's 10 times harder. Um, very few people get the chance to do it. So I'm just lucky enough, fortunate enough to get it done.
3: He's been getting it done for well over a decade now. As a 15-year-old, and earned his way into his first professional tournament and it was onwards and upwards from there. He won nine times in 14 collegiate starts before turning pro. Golf was easy and Adam was having fun, too much fun. He lost his discipline and his game went sideways. After losing his tour card in 2019 following two seasons on the big tour, Adam knew it was time for change. Just setting goals
15: and, you know, going to practice on days that I don't want to practice, knowing that I can't go to dinner tonight and have a couple of drinks with the guys. You know, I got to be up at 6 a.m. You know, I got bigger things to accomplish than, you know, go to the bar and have a couple of drinks with the guys. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was my goal and my focus. I just had a bigger goal and a bigger direction I wanted to go. And I I knew what I was doing it just wasn't uh, wasn't the right direction.
3: Discipline is the one word the 28-year-old uses to describe where he's at in his life right now. And he finally appears to be winning the war with the flat stick. This past weekend, Adam led the entire field in strokes gained thanks to a red-hot putter, which has been the one club in his bag that he's struggled with since childhood.
15: Where do you think you need to improve? Uh, My putting. It's uh, not very good. That's the big one, right? Yeah.
3: And this is the end result. A young boy from Surrey adding another trophy to a mantle full of titles with the potential for more on the horizon.
15: You know, I always used to rely on talent. And, you know, I, I did practice. I did work hard, but it wasn't hard enough. It wasn't 100%. And, you know, you can always work harder.
14: All right. World Cup today, England, Iran, Jude Bellingham. Jude took a sad song and made it better. One nothing in the 35th, and this started an avalanche of goals for England. Ukayo Saka would have two. And England won this game by the score of 6-2. to two. So they're off and running in Qatar. Netherlands and Senegal. No scoring until late in this game. 84th minute, Cody Gakpo would head this one in. The Dutch would get one more and win it by the score of 2 to nothing. And the U.S. faced Wales. First time these two countries have ever played. The Americans had a great first half. And they scored first. Timothy Weah right here. Knocks this one in to make it 1-0. But the Welsh got a penalty kick. They put up Gareth Bale. He doesn't miss. And 1-1 is the final. So here are the scores again tomorrow. Four games. Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Denmark, Tunisia, Mexico, Poland, France, and Australia. Canada plays Belgium Wednesday 11 a.m. our time.
0: There you go. Awesome so much great action already thank you squire
1: up next a deep dive into the archives to find some long forgotten film of the day muhammad ali came to town that's coming up
13: from the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us when bc needs to connect bc turns to the source that brings us together
0: global news connect back. It's Biggest it's big milestone in our year. All right, Jordan Armstrong's here with a preview of what's coming up tonight at 11. Jordan. Yes, and everyone
13: around here always has opinions on the music, right? Exactly. Going for a swim or skate could cost you more in Vancouver. Park board staff are recommending a whole bunch of fee increases for January 1st. They also want to bring in year-round pay parking for a lot near Jericho Beach. We'll have the details tonight. Plus, what is going on in Merritt? A question a lot of people are asking following another standoff today. It's been hard to keep track of all the recent standoffs and shootings in that city. We'll hear from the mayor and police tonight on Global
0: News at 11, including their frustration with chronic offenders. Chris? Almost seems universal these days. Mm-hmm. Thank, uh, thanks very much, Jordan.
1: Yeah, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Squire, this is uh, the 50th anniversary of a big day for Metro Vancouver. Mm-hmm.
14: Yes, 50 years ago. Actually, it was May 1st, so we're a little past the actual 50th date. But uh, 50 years ago, Muhammad Ali fought George Chevallo in Vancouver at the Coliseum. This is a story on how the city of North Vancouver played a big part in getting Ali ready for the fight It also includes a lot of great photos from a young man at the time from a long-lost boxing gym.
2: This is the poster that uh, Ali autographed. In April of
14: 1972, Muhammad Ali was at the corner of 4th and Chesterfield in North Vancouver, training for his fight with Canadian heavyweight George Shavalo. It's now an apartment building. But back then, 4th and Chesterfield was where the Northwest Eagles Boxing Club stood, run by Elio Ayas. What I
2: remember is, uh, coming down with my mom on the first day that Allie was working out, I could feel the electricity. There was something incredibly special going on. People wandered in off the street
14: to come and watch. It included all five of Elio's sons, one of whom, John, was given permission by Ali to take as many pictures as he
2: wanted. The, 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 the cast of characters was, was just amazing. Um, he had his entourage with him, his wife, his kids, Houdini Brown, his spiritual guide. All the people that you see in those pictures either worked in the shipyards or knew somebody who told them that this was going to be happening.
14: The fight itself was held at the Pacific Coliseum. It was backed by stock promoter, Murray Pezzum. And it was the second time Ali and Chivalo had fought. He
2: don't say nothing in my presence. It's an insult for fighters to talk when I'm talking. It
14: was Ali at his most entertaining, as he was on the road to reclaiming the heavyweight title
2: and silencing all the critics. So I found out why Ma was overweight, living in the hotels, Um, It's just impossible for me to resist
14: French toast. And to work some of that French toast off, Muhammad Ali would go to the forest in North Vancouver, chop wood, and trash talk Chevallo. George
2: Chevallo won't fall. I'll make him fall. Sugar Ray fell. Joe Lewis fell. Joe Frazier fell. I fell. And I'll never have it say that that Canadian didn't fall. George Chevalho is going to fall. If it's in my
14: power, he's going to fall. Ali won the fight, but he couldn't make Chevalo fall. However, he did fill everybody in 1972 with memories they won't forget. I will completely, totally annihilate
2: George Chevalo. Then I'm going to annihilate Jerry Quarry. Then I'm going to whoop Frazier because I'm still the greatest. <laughs> That's,
10: That's
1: how I got say. That's all I got to say. Yeah, that is yeah. actually what I do
2: after the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what happened to that tree, though? No, because I'm, I'm still the know. greatest.
11: <laughs>
14: <laughs> we laugh. We don't know if the tree ever fell.
1: That
0: Crazy was cool. Stuff. Great footage. Yeah, awesome. And we got all like, who knows what else is in that archives? Well, there's, there's a gotta... lot
14: of there's a lot of boxes with a lot of film that stretches from about 1960 to 1980 when we used to use film.
0: Oh, you got to spend more time back there and see. There's
14: a lot know. of spiders back there, though.
12: Okay, I'm yeah,
0: I'm not going. And maybe around. mice. <laughs> You're going to be alone back there. Uh, Thanks very much for watching, everyone. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow.